The Fellowship of the Ring by J.R.R. Tolkien Book 2 Chapter 1 Many Meetings Part 3 At length the feast came to an end. Elrond and Arwen rose and went down the hall, and the company followed them in due order. The doors were thrown open, and they went across a wide passage and through other doors, and came into a further hall. In it were no tables, but a bright fire was burning in a great hearth between the carven pillars upon either side. Frodo found himself walking with Gandalf. This is the Hall of Fire, said the wizard. Here you will hear many songs and tales, if you can keep awake. But except on high days, it usually stands empty and quiet, and people come here to wish for peace and thought. There is always a fire here, all the year round, but there is little other light. As Elrond entered and went towards the seat prepared for him, elvish minstrels began to make sweet music. Slowly the hall filled, and Frodo looked with delight upon the many fair faces that were gathered together. The golden firelight played upon them and shimmered in their hair. Suddenly, he noticed, not far from the further end of the fire, a small, dark figure, seated on a stool with his back propped against a pillar. Beside him on the ground was a drinking cup and some bread. Frodo wondered whether he was ill, if people were ever ill in Rivendell, and had been unable to come to the feast. His head seemed sunk in sleep on his breast, and a fold of his dark cloak was drawn over his face. Elrond went forward and stood beside the silent figure. Awake, little master, he said with a smile. Then, turning to Frodo, he beckoned to him. Now at last the hour has come that you have wished for, Frodo, he said. Here is a friend that you have long missed. The dark figure raised its head and uncovered its face. Ilbo! cried Frodo with sudden recognition, and he sprang forward. Hello, Frodo, my lad, said Bilbo. So you have got here at last. I hoped you would manage it. Well, well, so all this feasting is in your honour, I hear. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Why weren't you there? cried Frodo. And... Why haven't I been allowed to see you before? Because you are asleep. I have seen a good deal of you. I have sat by your side with Sam each day. But as for the feast, I don't go in for such things much now. I had something else to do. What were you doing? Why, sitting and thinking. I do a lot of that nowadays, and this is the best place to do it in, as a rule. Wake up indeed, he said, cocking his eye at Elrond. There was a bright twinkle in it and no sign of sleepiness that Frodo could see. Wake up! I was not asleep, Master Elrond. If you want to know, you have all come out from your feast too soon, and you have disturbed me in the middle of making up a song. I was stuck over a line or two and was thinking about them, but... Now I don't suppose I shall ever get them right. There will be such a deal of singing that the ideas will be driven clean out of my head. 
I shall have to get my friend, the Dunadine, to help me. Where is he? Elrond laughed. He shall be found, he said. Then you too shall grow into a corner and finish your task, and we will hear it and judge it before we end our merrymaking. Messengers were sent to find Bilbo's friend, though none knew where he was or why he had not been present at the feast. In the meantime, Frodo and Bilbo sat side by side, and Sam came quickly and placed himself near them. They talked together in soft voices, oblivious of the mirth and music in the hall about them. Bilbo had not much to say of himself. When he had left Hobbiton, he had wandered off aimlessly, along the road or in the country on either side, but somehow he had steered all the time towards Rivendell. I got here without much adventure, he said, and after a rest I went on with the doors to Dale, my last journey. I shan't travel again. Old Balin has gone away. Then I came back here, and here I have been. I have done this and that. I have written many more of my book, and, of course, I made up a few songs. They sing them occasionally, but just to please me, I think. For, of course, they aren't really good enough for Rivendell. But I listen and I think. Time doesn't seem to pass here. It just is. A remarkable place altogether. I hear all kinds of news from over the mountain and out of the south, but hardly anything from the Shire. I hear about the ring, of course. Gandalf has been here often. Not that he has told me a great deal. He has become closer than ever these last few years. The Dunedain has told me more. Fancy that ring of mine causing such a disturbance. It is a pity that Gandalf did not find out more sooner. I could have brought the thing here myself long ago without so much trouble. I have thought several times of going back to Hobbiton for it, but I am getting old and they would not let me. Gandalf and Elrond, I mean, they seemed to think that the enemy was looking high and low for me and would make mincemeat of me if he caught me torturing about in the wild. And Gandalf said, The ring has passed on, Bilbo. It would do no good to you or to others if you tried to meddle with it again. Odd sort of remark, just like Gandalf. But he said he was looking for you, so I let things be. I am frightfully glad to see you safe and sound. He paused and looked at Frodo doubtfully. Have you got it here? He asked in a whisper. I can't help feeling curious, you know. After all I've heard, I should very much like just to peep at it again. Yes, I've got it, answered Frodo, feeling a strange reluctance. It looks just the same as it ever did. Well, I should just like to see it for a moment, said Bilbo. When he had dressed, Frodo found that while he slept, the ring had been hung about his neck on a new chain, light but strong. Slowly he drew it out. Bilbo put out his hand. But Frodo quickly drew back the ring. To his distress and amazement, he found that he was no longer looking at Bilbo. A shadow seemed to have fallen between them, and through it he found himself eyeing a little wrinkled creature with a hungry face and bony, groping hands. He felt a desire to strike him. The music and singing round them seemed to falter, and a silence fell. 
Bilbo looked quickly at Frodo's face and passed his hand across his eyes. I understand now, he said. Put it away. I am sorry. Sorry you have come in for such this burden. Sorry about everything. Don't adventures ever have an inn? I suppose not. Someone else always has to carry on the story. Well, it can't be helped. I wonder if it's any good trying to finish my book. But don't. Let's worry about it now. Let's have some real news. Tell me all about the Shire. Frodo hid the ring away, and the shadow passed, leaving hardly a shred of memory. The light and music of Rivendell was about him again. Bilbo smiled and laughed happily. Every item of news from the Shire that Frodo could tell, aided and corrected now and again by Sam, was of the greatest interest to him, from the felling of the laced tree to the pranks of the smallest child in Hobbiton. They were so deep in the doings of the four farthings that they did not notice the arrival of a man clad in dark green cloth. For many minutes, he stood looking down at them with a smile. Suddenly, Bilbo looked up. Ah, oh, there you are at last, Dunedin, he cried. Strider, said Frodo, you seem to have a lot of names. Well, Strider is one I haven't heard before anyway said Bilbo. What do you call him that for? They call me that in Bree, said Strider, laughing. And that is how I was introduced to him. And why do you call him Dunedin? asked Frodo. The Dunedin, said Bilbo. He is often called that here, but I thought you knew enough Elvish to at least know Dunedin, man of the West. Numenorin, but this is not the time for lessons, he turned to Strider. Where have you been, my friend? Why weren't you at the feast? Lady Arwen was there. Strider looked down at Bilbo gravely. I know, he said, but often I must put mirth aside. Leiden and Ilrure have returned out of the wild unlooked for. And they had tidings that I wished to hear at once. Well, my dear fellow, said Bilbo, now you've heard the news, can't you spare me a moment? I want your help in something urgent. Elrond says this song of mine is to be finished before the end of the evening, and I am stuck. Let's go off into a corner and polish it up. Strider smiled. Come then, he said, let me hear it. Frodo was left to himself for a while, for Sam had fallen asleep. He was alone and felt rather forlorn, although all about him the folk of Rivendell were gathered. But those near him were silent, intent upon the music of the voices and the instruments, and they gave no heed to anything else. Frodo began to listen. At first the beauty of the melodies and of the interwoven words and elven tongues, even though he understood them little, held him in a spell as soon as he began to attend to them. Almost it seemed that the words took shape, and visions of far lands and bright things that he had never yet imagined opened out before him, and the fire-lit hall became like a golden mist above seas of foam that sighed upon the margins of the world. Then the enchantment became more and more dreamlike, 
until he felt that an endless river of swelling gold and silver was flowing over him, tumultuous for its pattern to be comprehended. It became part of the throbbing air about him, and it drenched and drowned him. Swiftly, he sank under its shining weight into a deep realm of sleep. There he wandered long in a dream of music that turned into running water, and then suddenly into a voice. It seemed to be the voice of Bilbo chanting verses. Faint at first, and then clearer ran the words. Arendelle was a mariner that tarried in Arverneen. He built a boat of timber felled in Nimberthil to journey in. Her sails he wove of silver fair, of silver were her lanterns made. Her prow he fashioned like a swan, and light upon her banners laid. In panoply of ancient kings and chained rings he armored him. His shining shield was scored with runes to ward all wounds and harm from him. His bow was made of dragon horn, his arrows shorn of ebony. Of silver was his haberjon, his scabbard of chalice bony. His sword of steel was valiant, of adamant his helmet tall. An eagle plume upon his crest, upon his breast an emerald. Beneath the moon and under star, he wandered far from northern strands, bewildered on enchanted ways beyond the days of mortal lands. From gnashing of the narrow ice where shadows lies in frozen hills, from neither heats and burning waste, he turned in haste, and roving still on starless waters far astray, at last he came to night of naught and past, and never sight he saw. Of shining shore nor light he sought, the winds of wrath came driving him, and blindly in the foam he fled from west to east, and errandlessly, unheralded, he homeward sped. There flying Elwing came to him, and flame was in the darkness lit, more bright than light of diamond, a fire upon her carcanet. The Silmaril she bound on him, and crowned him with the living light. And dauntless then, with burning brow, he turned his prow, and in the night, from other world beyond the sea, there strong and free a storm arose, a wind of power in Tarmanel, by paths that seldom mortal goes. His boat it bore with biting breath, as the might of death across the gray, and long forsaken seas distress. From east to west he passed away. Through ever night he back was bore, on black and roaring waves that ran, or leagues unlit and wandered shores that drowned before the days began, until he heard of strands of pearl where ends the world the music long. Wherever foaming billows roll, the yellow gold and jewels wan. He saw the mountains silent rise where twilight lies upon the knees. A villainer and Eldamar beheld afar beyond the seas. A wanderer escaped from night to haven white he came at last. To elven home the green and fair, where keen the air, where pale as glass. Beneath the hill of Ilmarin, a glimmer in the valley sheer. The lamp-lit towers of Tyrion 
were mirrored on the shadow mirror. He tarried there for errantry and melodies they taught to him, and sages old him marvels told, and harps of gold they brought to him. They clothed him then in elven white, and seven lights before him sent, as through the Calastrian to hidden land forlorn he went. He came unto the timeless halls where shining fall the countless years, and endless reigns the elder king in Ilmarin on mountain sheer. And words unheard were spoken then of folk of men and elven kin. Beyond the world were visions showed, forbid to those that dwell therein. A ship then new they built for him, of mithril and of elven glass, with shining prow, no shaven oar, no more sail she bore on silver mast. The silmaril as lantern light and banner bright with living flame, to gleam thereon the Elbereth herself was set, who thither came, and wings immortal made for him, and laid on him undying doom, to sail the shoreless skies and come behind the sun and light of moon. From Everin's lofty hills, where softly silver fountains fall, his wings him bore a wandering light beyond the mighty mountain wall. From the world's end, then he turned away and yearned again to find afar his home through shadows journeying and burning as an island star. On high above the mists he came, a distant flame before the sun, a wander ere the waking dawn where grave and Norland waters run. And over Middle-earth he passed, and heard at last the weeping sore of women and of elven maids in elder days and years of yore. But on him mighty doom was laid till moon should fade, an obrid star to pass and tarry nevermore. On hither shores where mortals are, forever still a herald on, an errand that should never rest, to bear his shining lamp afar, the Flamir of Westerness. The chanting ceased. Frodo opened his eyes and saw that Bilbo was seated on the stool in a circle of listeners who were smiling and applauding. Now we had better have it again, said an elf. Bilbo got up and bowed. I am flattered, Linear, he said, but it would be too tiring to repeat it all. Too tiring for you, the elves answered, laughing. You know you never tired of reciting your own verses. But really, we cannot answer your question at one hearing. What? cried Bilbo. You can't tell which parts are mine and which were the Dunedains. It is not easy for us to tell the difference between two mortals, said the elf. Nonsense, Lindia snorted Bilbo. If you can't distinguish between a man and a hobbit, your judgment is poorer than I imagine. They're as different as peas and apples. Maybe. To sheep, other sheep no doubt appear different, laughed Linda. Or to the shepherds. Mortals have not been our study. We have other business. I won't argue with you, said Bilbo. I am sleepy after so much music and singing. I'll leave you to guess if you want to. 
He got up and came towards Frodo. Well, that's over, he said in a low voice. It went off better than I expected. I don't often get asked for a second hearing. What did you think of it? I'm not going to try and guess, said Frodo, smiling. You needn't, said Bilbo. As a matter of fact, it was all mine. Except that Aragorn insisted on putting in a green stone, he seemed to think it important. I don't know why. Otherwise, he obviously thought the whole thing rather above my head, and he said that if I had the cheek to make verses about Erendil in the House of Elrond, it was my affair. I suppose he was right. I don't know, said Frodo. It seemed to me to fit somehow, though I can't explain. I was half asleep when you began, and it seemed to follow on from something that I was dreaming about. I don't understand that it was really you speaking until near the end. It is difficult to keep awake here until you get used to it, said Bilbo. Not that hobbits would ever acquire quite the Elvish appetite for music and poetry and tales. They seem to like them as much as food or more. They will be going on for a long time yet. What do you say to slipping off for some more quiet talk? Can we? said Frodo. Of course. This is merrymaking, not business. Come and go as you like, as long as you don't make a noise. They got up and withdrew quietly into the shadows and made for the doors. Sam they left behind, fast asleep still with a smile on his face. In spite of his delight in Bilbo's company, Frodo felt a tug of regret as they passed out of the Hall of Fire. Even as they stepped over the threshold, a single clear voice rose in a song. Ali breath gilthulil, silverin piana miril, o minil agla ineth, nachered palandiril, o galan rimin ineroth, venulus le linathon, nefera si neferon. Frodo halted for a moment, looking back. Elrond was in his chair, and the fire was on his face like summer light upon the trees. Near him sat the Lady Arwen. To his surprise, Frodo saw that Aragorn stood beside her. His dark cloak was thrown back, and he seemed to be clad in an elven mail, and a star shone on his breast. They spoke together, and then suddenly it seemed to Frodo that Arwen turned towards him, and the light of her eyes fell on him from afar and pierced his heart. He stood still and chanted, while the sweet syllables of the elvish song fell like clear jewels of blended word and melody. It is a song to Elibrith, said Bilbo. They will sing that and other songs of the blessed realm many times tonight. Come on. He led Frodo back to his own little room. It opened on to the gardens and looked south across the ravine of the Barunen. There they sat for some while, looking through the window at the bright stars above the steep climbing woods and talking softly. They spoke no more of the small news of the Shire far away, nor of the dark shadows and perils that encompassed them, but of the fair things they had seen in the world together, of the elves, the stars, the trees, and the gentle fall of the bright year in the woods. 
At last, there came a knock on the door. Begging your pardon, said Sam, putting in his head. But I was just wondering if you would be wanting anything. And begging yours, Sam Gamgee, replied Bilbo. I guess you mean that it is time your master went to bed. Well, sir, there is a council early tomorrow, I hear. And he only got up today for the first time. Quite right, Sam, laughed Bilbo. You can trot off and tell Gandalf he has gone to bed. Good night, Frodo. Bless me, but it has been good to see you again. There are no folk like hobbits, after all, for a real good talk. I am getting very old, and I began to wonder if I should live to see your chapters of our story. Good night. I'll take a walk, I think, and look at the stars of a Libreth in the garden. Sleep well.